Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 141. Steve and Jimmy with you here. It's been been about 10 days or so since we last recorded, Jim. I think it was maybe 12 now. It was the, the Thursday before last. I know last week was quiet, so we decided to, to you know skip and wait for some stuff to happen in the market. And things have certainly started to uh, shake out a little bit here with just a handful of days before the season starts. Yeah, it certainly seems like whether it was the Rodri Banyas sale itself or you know, just waiting around for certain clubs to realize that Roma is the best option for their players, that Roma has been making serious moves on the market. Some of them haven't come to complete fruition just yet. It looks like in the rumor mill, and definitely by the time that this uh, podcast is uploaded to all of our various uh, places that you can go get your podcasts, um, most likely Leandro Paredes and Renato Sanchez will be official. Uh, They've undergone their medicals already, and the reports are that they will be uh, official, official as of Wednesday, August 16th. Uh, and we've also got a couple other signings that we're going to definitely be talking about. Uh, but first, let's talk about the thing that definitely was a surprise and kind of spurred on that Leandro Paredes signing, which is the, the departure of Nemanja Matic. Now, from my perspective, I would not have expected Nemanja Matic to be leaving this summer uh, for mul- multiple reasons. First of all, it was a well-known fact that he and and Mourinho were very tight. And not to mention, throughout the summer, we're, we were seeing a lot of cute social media stuff between Matic and Dybala. Uh, so it was very surprising on that level. Beyond that, you know, he's not exactly the youngest player. So sure, he had a contract running down, but there was a general expectation among Romanisti, and at least among me, that, you know, he might go the way of Chris Smalling, which is sign one last extended contract with Roma, to still be playing at a big club until he decides to retire. But now that he's officially moved to Ren, it's quite obvious that that wasn't the case. Steve, you want to add your two cents on that? I was, I was surprised as well. I, I didn't see this coming. 
Uh, I don't think many people did, and neither did Roma or Jose Mourinho or Tiago Pinto because he took everybody by surprise. Apparently, apparently, Ren. Uh, I think they came out the the club president or whoever it was came out after the signing this past week and said something to the fact that they've been talking to him for weeks or close to a month now um, behind Roma's back, which when a player's under contract, that's kind of shady business. Um, Clubs usually, you know, if a player's within the last six months of their contract, then it's kind of free game to talk to that player and and maybe get a pre-contract sign. But usually you give the other club some kind of, you know, indication like, look, we're interested in this player. You know, we plan on negotiating with him or at least reaching out to his entourage or whatever the, the protocol is. But um, very interesting. I don't, you know, Matic had no reason to be so loyal to Roma after just one season. But the fact that, like you said, with Jose Mourinho, he's been through through the through the trenches with him many times, yeah. right? He's been through those Premier League battles, Champions League battles, now with Roma. And it seems like there'd be a little more of a respect level there. Um because yeah. Mourinho at the end, according to Filippo Biafora, was beside himself. Uh, didn't want to talk to the player. I know Roma's, um, you know, sale message on Twitter was just like, Nemanja Matic is rent for, yeah. for, for 3 million euros or whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas players like Justin Kluivert, who haven't played for the club in a couple of years, got in Boca Lupa, like a, a good luck message on the way out the door. He didn't get that. So there's definitely some bad blood, and you're right. I mean, it seemed like he was so integrated into the team with Dybala, Mourinho, and, and the other teammates. I don't know what happened there. I mean, we don't know what happened, goes on behind closed doors. I saw one person say, you know, that there was a, a bit of a schism between the Italian, you know, group in the locker room and then the non-Italians, but that doesn't seem to be the case when you see the way the players interact. So I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if the money is, is that important to him because he did get a three-year contract and he is a 35-year-old, but – you'd think he'd had made plenty of money in his career, but I guess when you see what some of these players go to Saudi Arabia for, nobody ever has enough, but I was yeah, very this is surprised. One of those situations, this is one of those situations where you're probably not going to get the full story until like 20 years from now when Mourinho writes his tell-all novel or whatever. Uh, that seems like when we'll actually get the story because I've heard everything from Matish's wife got a job in France, and so um, he wants to move to France to... There were arguments between the Matic and the Italians on the squad to Matic faked an injury and that caused tension between Mourinho and the squad. And more than anything in this silly season, I'm just going to throw my hands up and say that I don't think that there's a reasonable expectation we'll ever get the full truth on what's going on with the Matic deal. Uh, Weird things happen workplaces sometimes like it's just like you you never get the full story and so i will say uh i was really happy with how matic played last season i would have given him like a b plus a minus in terms of how important he was to the side last season he was way better than i expected especially for someone who's 35 now um i will say though that given the very abrupt nature of his departure you got to give a lot of props to Mourinho and Pinto for pretty quickly moving along and finding a replacement for that. Now, the Renato Sanchez deal had been rumored for forever. And the fact that that's completed isn't really much of a surprise. But the fact that, according to Gianluca Di Marzio, uh, Roma was able to get Leandro Paredes, who is not only younger, but has been in the Roma system before and has played in Rome before and has played for major clubs throughout the continent before 
uh, at age 29 for only two and a half million euros and on a pay cut from what he was making at PSG, that's a pretty impressive quick turnaround. Now, I don't think he's necessarily going to be Matic 2.0. I don't think that he's going to necessarily fully replicate Matic. It'd be great if he did, but I don't know if that should be the expectation. But when it comes to filling out the midfield rotation, you could do a whole lot worse than saying we're taking away Nemanja Matic and bringing in Renato Sanchez and Leandro Paredes. Not to mention some of these youngsters that we've been talking about in our U23 countdown and a few more that we've got to talk about as that those articles roll out. I'm actually, despite the Matic departure, still the least worried about the midfield going forward. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I've I've never been a huge fan of Paredes. I know he was with Rome when he was very young. He went to Zenit, and then he's been been at PSG. He since he left Rome, I mean, he hasn't really played a, a big number of minutes at PSG in a season. His, his biggest number was thirteen hundred uh, minutes back in 2020, 2021. You know, last year on loan at Juve, played twenty five matches, eight starts. So there is some risk in taking him back, but I can't be upset with that move considering the price tag. That to me yeah. was the most impressive part because, you know, I, I, I don't think he's the greatest player. Um, you know, he showed flashes at Empoli, which prompted Roma to get him um, when he was on loan that season, that second season that he was owned by Roma. But, you know, it never seemed to completely pan out. I know at Zenit, I'm looking back at his stats, he had a four goal, five assist season that he's not there to be a, a goal scorer. Uh, but you're right. He's not going to be a Matic destroyer in the midfield. Where he did rank in well in Europe's top five leagues last season in just about a thousand minutes was you know passes attempted, pass completions, and progressive passes all in the between 81st and 90th percentile, um, 89th percentile in shot creating action. So he he's going to help facilitate a little more offense. My question then becomes is when he's on the pitch, who's you know doing the ball winning? I guess it's Cristante if he ends up in the midfield with Cristante. Um, he's going to, Marino's going to have to find the right combinations because now Roma don't have that pure defensive midfielder like they had with Matic, which I think was what made him so valuable to Roma last season. But like you said, 29 year old, cheaper wages than he was on at PSG, guy who's been in Roma before, so he knows the environment, which is always a big thing. He's familiar with the league. He was at Juve last year and, and Roma and a couple of various smaller clubs before that earlier in his career, I think should help with the acclimation process. And if Marino didn't think he could cut it, I don't think he'd be here. So, um, also a World Cup winner this past winter. You know, he's, 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 he's a funny player in the sense that he's almost a guy that seems to ride people's coattails to, like, glory in a sense because he's not the most impressive player. But, hey, he hooked on with Messi at mm-hmm. PSG, he, the Argentine national team. I, I think he, you know, will find a fit. I don't think he's an out-and-out starter on this side, but I think he'll have a role for sure. Yeah, and I guess I would also add that there's a couple different things that are on my mind with this Paredes signing and just in general, the midfield rotation that we're looking for going forward. The first is Romanisti correctly often criticized the club for shipping out prospects because they are too good for the Primavera, but not ready yet, or there are too many people ahead of them in the uh, rotation at the senior level. So like Davi Fratesi was always thought of as a highly touted prospect. But at the same time, because he wasn't going to go get past the likes of Kevin Strootman, Roger Neingelin, or anyone like that, he didn't see a future for himself in Rome. And that's understandable. Um, so when that sale happened, it was largely because everyone recognized this is a talent, but we don't have space for him in the side. Similarly with Gianluca Scamacca. I'm bringing up these guys because obviously we wanted them back and we didn't get them. 
But with Gianluca Scamacca, it was like, it was, uh, honestly, a huge problem during the Ed and Jago era was that for one reason or another, Roma brought in interesting backups to Ed and Jaco, and they never were able to hit on, whether that was Patrick Schick, who has turned into quite the striker now. Like, let's just be honest. He's, he's a good striker now. It's not, it's not like the talent wasn't there. Um, and so, like, Skamaka had absolutely no chance of getting through to the senior team. And, and Skamaka also uh, left young, Jim. You got to remember, he went um, yeah. as, like, a 16-year-old to Holland because he could sign a professional deal there. So he was kind of out before yeah, he but even but even but but to be fair, even as a sixteen-year-old, that guy was hyped. Like there was there was oh, oh yeah, yeah big prospect. There was, was, I remember when he left; that was a big loss at the time. Yeah, to the he was he was one of the most hyped strikers in all of Italy of mm-hmm. that age range, of like the under eighteen age range, and that's not really much of a surprise because America um, and Roma's uh, academy is generally thought of as one of the best in Italy, if not Europe. Uh, so again, it's not really surprising that there are these exciting players. Um, and maybe it's just because we've been doing this huge 23 countdown on CDT, uh, but, and that it's on my mind, but all I can think about with you saying like Paredes isn't a Matic type is, well, I guess that gives Eduardo Bove, Ricardo Pagano, uh, Giacomo Faticanti and Nicolo Pisili a legitimate chance. Um, and for all the people who've been Debbie Downers about this season saying like, oh, Roma's going to be in seventh or eighth place. Like if I accept that point of view, which I don't, um, I think that at the very least, it can allow some really exciting players to get some minutes from the youth level. Like we, we talked about this generation that's currently in their 17, 18, 19 range as a bit of a golden generation when it came to, came to Roma's Academy. And they've been constantly starring for the Italian U21s, U20s, U19s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicolo Pisili, who, again, it was like only number eight on our uh, countdown, was part of both the U19 and U20 setup for the Italy this year. And they both were yeah, very was- successful. The U20 team got to the final of the World Cup and the U19 team won the Euros. Uh, yeah. So I guess I would say as much like people have a right, and we'll get to Renato Sanchez and his injury concerns in a minute. But when it comes to saying like, oh, well, Paredes isn't that great or Renato Sanchez gets injured a lot, as much as that's true, that does create more of a run of the vision that the club kind of has for itself, which is that it's not going to be a PSG like gobbling up Neymars and Mbappes and Messis and like then having huge ego problems and trying to sort it out with just more money. Uh, what they're going to do instead is try to use that academy that everyone knows is great and try to find smart buys. And if this, if the Paredes deal works and he's able to start a good number of matches and play impressively, that I'm happy. It doesn't work. And it gives like Eduardo Bove a chance. I won't be that mad either. Like I, I'll be pretty satisfied if this results in Eduardo Bove being a consistent starter for the Giallos. Yeah, you obviously want Roma to win this season, especially with Jose Mourinho, at least finishing the top four. And and I agree. I think those people that are all doom and gloom, I think once the Mercato wraps and if, you know, we wrap up these two signings, which are pretty much wrapped up, they just haven't been made official by the club yet. And they, they do bring in, we'll talk about the striker position in a few minutes, some of the names that are being rumored. It, I think it shapes up to be a little bit better than we were fearing. Now, is it as nice as bringing in Fratesi and Scamacca? No, it's especially not because those players are, are players we've known about for a long time and would love to see back in, in the Jalen Rossi. But I, Paredes, too, he's not a guy who's been injured a lot in his career. Just the 21-22 season with PSG, the one before he was with Juve, so two years ago, 
he did miss 20 matches, but for the most part, he misses a handful of matches a year. He's generally available, which will help. I mean, you know, injuries are always a problem at Roma. We've seen it. And that that's kind of the concern with Renato Sanchez, right? Because Renato Sanchez is a highly rated player in terms of his talent level. And that's why I think this move, I mean, can be, I think, a, a, a really good one for Roma if it works out and he's able to stay healthy. Now, that's the big question. Uh, last year at PSG, he missed, I'm, I'm counting up here on transfer market because they tracked the injuries. He missed a combined 19 matches, um, added up to about 120 days on the calendar or so. The year I'd also just at- remind people, yeah, just in general, not to cut you off too much, is that like people are like, oh, well, he wasn't that p- impressive at PSG. Is anybody that impressive at PSG? Like they buy up world-class talents and then like either they mismanage them horrendously most of the time. Like, yeah. I think Marquinhos is one of the few exceptions to that, where it's like they bought him and it worked out great. And he's been an excellent player for them for an extended period of time. But I'm thinking about like Gianluigi Donnarumma being on the bench. I'm thinking yeah. about like Neymar and Messi both leaving for theoretically worse leagues than what they were playing in before, just because like they were tired of the environment. Like, yeah, what a mess over there with uh, Neymar and Mbappe situation, huh? Oof. Yeah, PSG's just a mess right now. And, like, I wouldn't yeah. – I, I, you got to think too a little bit about the environment. And that's, you know, toxic environments can can make a player play worse. So I, I'm optimistic about the parade. Still yeah. and, and I think Sanchez, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at – now, he did miss a bunch of time last year. He played 717 league minutes for PSG, small amount. Appeared in 23 matches, started six. Obviously, competition for places in that side. Players like Verratti in the midfield and some others. Um, but when you look at his – you know, per 90 minutes um, numbers, and you compare it to Europe against Europe's top five leagues, his his passes attempted when he did play, over 80 passes attempted. He's a guy who likes to have the ball at his feet, over a 91% completion percentage, both in the 98th percentile, obviously in limited minutes compared to some of these other players. Um, progressive carries, he can carry the ball. He was 96th percentile for, for that stat, um, 88th percentile for successful take-ons and, and when being compared to other midfielders. So he has some skills to his game that maybe Rome was lacking. I know that was kind of, he's taken over the Winhaldum role that they hoped Winhaldum was going to be able to fill last year. And again, compared to Winhaldum, him not being bought because he was injured, probably in the long run is a good thing for Roma because he was pushing, I guess he was into his thirties, right? Yeah. And Renato Sanchez is just about to turn 26 in a couple of days on August 18th. So if he's able to figure out the, the physical stuff and, and the Roma training staff can do a good job with him, you're getting a player that's going into his prime uh, on a, I think it's like a 1 million euro loan or 2 million euro loan. And then the option to buy brings up to about 15 million total. If I remember right. Yeah. I would just say Renato Sanchez, if healthy, and that's obviously, you know, the biggest asterisk in the world um, is probably the second most talented player on our team right now. Like, I don't think that that's too hot of a take like behind Paolo Dybala. I think that when healthy Renato Sanchez might be the most exciting player on the squad. And unfortunately for everybody, Roma at this present moment, because of financials, because of just like historic comparisons to the Bayerns and the PSGs of the world, like Roma is half a tier below that. Uh, Roma is still a big club, but it is not going to always be viewed as a final destination for major superstars. Uh, on the, yeah. in the same way that a Real Madrid or a Manchester United is. And that's okay for a lot of reasons, 
but one of the reasons it's okay is that like it provides context to a move like this Renato Sanchez deal. I'm yeah. pretty excited about it overall. And especially, as you mentioned, the idea that he has to play more than 60% of the matches for that tr- option to become like required. Uh, that's a really good deal for Roma to be able to say, I, yeah, I if, agree. He play, if, he, if he plays more matches, enough matches that it's a, a worthwhile deal for us, he becomes a Roma, Roma player. Uh, and, you know, given Roma's history of injuries, I wouldn't be overly shocked if he didn't end up reaching that. And then if he doesn't reach that, well, then he goes back to PSG. It seems pretty, it seems yeah, like a win-win from Roma's perspective. And I think too, if, if he even hits, you know, if he has a few injuries here and there and they manage him a bit and he hasn't hit the 60%, but they feel like he's performed well, 15 million euros for a player with his talent level and entering those prime years, if you qualify for Champions League and you want to keep the, the core intact, he might become part of that core. You can give him for 15 million euros. That When you compare yeah. what they would have had to pay for Fratesi, as much as I love Fratesi and wanted him back in Rome, if they can get this to happen where he's fit and he performs, you're paying half the price. That, that's know, as, as a reminder, right Bayern signed him as like a nine. Bayern signed him as like a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, like he was like million years. very young. Mm-hmm. He was he was younger than most of the guys, like most of our Primavera prospects, and he had been impressive enough at Benfica that Bayern was like dropping serious money in a way that Bayern doesn't usually drop as much serious money. Like, okay, the Harry Kane deal, notwithstanding, like most of the time, Bayern is not just throwing out eighty million euros for a guy. Um, and they, they saw something in him and to be honest, like, did it go perfectly for him at Bayern? No, because of injuries. And, but like, even when he went to Lille after that, like no one looked at him at Lille and said, this guy has no talent. The problem was, was he, could he be available? Um, and he's still young enough that I'm pretty sure that there's a chance that he comes very, very good. Um, and by very, very good, I just mean available enough to show his actual talent because it's not a. It's not about him growing into a player. He is that player. It's just, can he be on the pitch enough? Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at on FB reference, you can do those player comparisons just, just to get a quick, you know, idea of, of the, the type of players we're getting here. Comparing him to Matic in the defensive phase, Paredes stacks up decently. You know, he's not Matic. I'm not going to go on a limb and say he's going to do exactly what Matic can do, but, you know, he averaged over an interception and a half a match where Matic was at 1.21 per 90. You know, his, his tackle percentage lower, but he's still getting about uh, a successful tackle a match, which is similar to Matic's number. Clearances, almost two clearances match for Juve last year. So different team, different system and everything. But yeah. Juve also played a fairly defensive system like Roma does. Allegri ball and Mourinho ball. They're, they're, there's a reason why when they played each other, it's like Clash of the Dinosaurs, right? Some people would joke around because they're not the most progressive managers. So I think Paredes is going to, you know, fill that role to an extent. I think Sanchez is going to give us another, you know, kind of more dynamic midfielder if he's healthy. I think I think it could be a really good move. And like like you said, he went to Bayern for thirty five million at that age. That's not that's not a typical Bayern, you know, age where they're going to throw that kind of money around. I mean, he's a talented player. Bayern doesn't snap you up at that age for no reason. So, yeah, we'll see. And just in general, I would say, out. like I already mentioned, that if these guys are injured, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and if, if yeah, I, I, was, I guess turns, I would just say that to be a bust, it's a small fee. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, so that brings us to the other, I guess before we move on to the other position, I guess we have to bid farewell to Roger Ibanez, um for officially this time, right? We talked about the possibility of him leaving last time. Just how would you how would you say you re- will remember Ibanez if this is the last we see of him in Serie A with Roma, doesn't make his way back ever, you know, after he's at the Saudi league and gets really rich? Yeah, I mean, I would say that with Ibanez, it was a really smart signing on Roma's part. Uh, we got him for basically peanuts from Atalanta. Uh, and he pretty quickly became a part of the starting 11 on a consistent basis. Uh, and you got to respect that. He's still very young. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a sojourn similar to Stefan Al-Sharawi, where he, where he was in Saudi Arabia for a couple of years and then comes back to Europe in some way, shape or form. I also wouldn't be surprised if I'm not that high on the Saudi league as like, like a long-term project. I don't really know how well it's going to last. Uh, so then that maybe is part of the reason why I think he'll come back to Europe. If he doesn't come back to Europe, uh, I think that he'll be thought of as a good player who didn't win anything, um, which kind of stinks uh, when, when it comes down to it. But at the same time, made a good amount of money with Roma and will be making a lot of money in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think he comes back to Europe though, just because he's young, he's got talent and I can't imagine that just getting a really great paycheck is going to be that satisfying for that long. Um, I always felt like his, his like tendency to make mistakes was overblown. I thought I always thought he was a very good player, and the problem with central defenders in general is that when they make a mistake, everyone's aware of it. Whereas with a, a midfielder or an attacker, it's a lot easier to overlook mistakes. Uh, defenders, you notice um, because it mm-hmm. usually results in a goal. Uh, given that, and given that he was paired with other players like you know Gianluca Mancini and Chris Smalling, statistically speaking. Roman's defense has been one of the best in Europe for the past several seasons, and he's been a star of that defense. So I don't think it's – he has boneheaded mistakes that happen every now and then, but I would still think of him as quite a good defender, and I'll look back on him fondly as a world player. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll remember him. I think you're right. It was a great deal. They paid $9 million or selling for $20.5 million. So it's pretty decent plus Valenza considering he was with the club for, I think, about three seasons. So that most of that was paid off the $9 million. So – Good, good plus, plus Valenza, which is why we'll be able to talk about the striker position next because that money's, you know, coming to Roma. They can finally spend a little money. Um, <clears throat> but I'll remember him as a guy who always played hard, hustle-type player, tough player. Mistakes are what he'll be remembered for, I think, to some extent because they came in the matches against Lazio. I think that was the biggest one. Um, you know, I, I saw some some highlights or lowlights of his first appearance at Al Ali, we I sent him in the group text. He had he had a little bit of a rough debut, um, hanging out his keeper to dry and stuff. I think that's just part of what you know he is as a player. Unfortunately, I think the the mental side still needs cleaning up. But you know he's so tantalizingly talented as a defender in terms of like his physical makeup. Um, but I think you're right. I think he eventually finds his way back to here. But I think he's too young. I think many of these younger players that are in their mid twenties or so they go get a big payday. But sooner or later, I think they're gonna have that hunger for the Champions League again and whatnot. And I, th- I think many will find their way back. And I think he's one of them. He's worked his way into the Brazilian national team picture when he was with, with Roma. So you wonder if that, you know, enough players, I guess, are going to Saudi Arabia that maybe national teams won't, like, scoff at it. But 
Um, I think younger players are going to want to go back to some of those traditional clubs at some point. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But um, hopefully Evan Indica fills that spot and he kind of makes us forget about Ibanez in, in a good way. Um, that, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I wouldn't be surprised if he did simply because come hell or high water, Roma seems to be able to find excellent center backs whenever they lose one. Um, I'm always worried about what happens when we lose a great center back. And then without fail, within a month or two, Roma has another excellent center back. Uh, Marquinhos gave way to Benatia, uh, and it kept going on and on. Uh, and Benatia, I guess, gave way to uh, – oh, man, what's his name? Plays for Real Madrid now. Uh, German center back. Uh, Rudiger. Help me, help me with Rudiger. And Rudiger was great. Rudiger was great. And then Rudiger gave way for Mancini and uh, Chris Smalling and Rodri Banez. So on the whole, we've had a solid decade of excellent center backs. And it doesn't really seem yeah, like they, that's going to stop anytime to, soon. They do tend to find those center backs, which which is uh, reassuring. And, and, and Dick is a highly rated player. So I, I just – I think he will clean up the position a little bit. That's, that's my hope. And I, I think – we will miss Roger in some ways, but not others. And I think that's, I think that's how it's kind of going to go. And that's how I hope it goes. So we'll take a quick ad break here, Jim. And then we got to get into that other position that we've been talking about all summer long. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so obviously when I'm talking about the other position, it's the striker position that we've been worried about. I mean, we thought we had Skamaka. We thought we had Skamaka. We thought we had Skamaka day after day after day. And <sighs> to me, I'm going to say right now, as much as I wanted Fratezi back, Skamaka was even more tantalizing for me because he is oh for sure a high-ceiling striker. And yeah, it's hard to find those players that are established already. I know he had a rough season at West Ham, but when you saw him at – Sassuolo a couple of years ago, you saw the potential he had. And I am happy he didn't go to Inter because if Inter had gotten Fratezi and Scamacca, that would have really been like a double zinger. But yeah. I'm a little worried about Atalanta right now. I'm, I'm not going to lie heading into the season because I think they have a very talented team. And I think he's going to do very well there. Um, but we have to move on because he's not coming to Rome anymore. It just makes you wonder if they had were able to make that Ibani's deal like a week sooner, if uh, maybe he would be. Yeah. But... Yeah, I'm, you definitely do. But that brings us to our, I guess, our next telenovela that we're getting yeah. in striker position. So do we uh, want to get Leonardo out of the way first, or do we want to get into Leonardo first? Mm, I've got got two telenovelas going on, I guess. Let's get Zapata out of the way first, because I feel like he's right. less of an interest. Like, he's he's fine, but he's less interesting to me. Yeah. So it looks like we thought maybe Rome was going to go after one striker this summer when they were talking about Skamak and these guys. It looks like they're going after two. Uh, looks like yeah. a veteran to go with Belotti and also a young up-and-coming type striker. We've seen many names linked to Roma season besides Kamako is Morata, uh, Muriel, Arnautovic, a couple others I'm sure I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Zapata's the, been the latest, and he seems to be the most likely to come in on loan with an option to buy. I know Adelato was trying to push the obligation. Roma didn't want that. I think what I saw last was a 2 million euro loan or something like that, and then possibly a 9 million 
euro option. Zapata's is a guy who's driven us nuts as Rom- Romanisti for quite a few years now with Atalanta, yeah. especially as they've made their yeah. ascendance into like the upper echelon of Serie A. But last year, very injured. He's now third, almost 33 years. He's 32 and 136 days. So he's, he's past his 32nd birthday. He'll be 33 before the season ends. Um, prior to last season, double-digit goal score every year. But last season, I'm just going to count off uh, seven days for a hamstring injury, a day, f- uh, one match for a bruised knee, two for hip problems, three for another hamstring injury, one for another unknown injury, four for another leg injury. So through the course of the year, he was he missed quite a few matches. I mean, you're talking about seven, yeah. eight, ten, eighteen matches that he missed for Atalanta. Only scored two goals, assisted two times, and sixteen starts. He's he's been on the coming down in terms of his goal scoring every year for Atalanta. He went from 23 to 18 to 15 to 10. Uh, his assist numbers have also come down. So what do you make of Zapata at this point? I mean, a couple of years ago, he's one of those guys you would have said, yeah, bring him over. He can score goals. Uh, now what do you think? Not to bleed too early into our conversation about the young striker we want to bring in, but I think that this type of signing is designed to create competition for Belotti and act as an insurance for the young striker that they're actually excited about. Uh, that's my read of the situation that they don't trust Belotti and they don't, they want to bring in a young, exciting striker, but they want to have insurance. And Zapata seems pretty excellently fit for that role in the sense that he will probably score goals if he's with Roma. Uh, but he won't necessarily, if someone, if a younger striker blows up, he won't have a big enough ego to say like cause problems. Uh, and that's what I think they're looking for. Uh, if it happens, I hope it's a loan with with uh, option to buy because, as you said, his goal scoring has been going down. He did have injury problems last season. So if they could structure it like the Renato Sanchez deal where it's like, hey, we'll pay like a $1.5 million loan fee and we'll pay €10 million Euros if he makes 70% of his matches, that works for me, uh, especially considering that we have to still think about what happens to Tammy Abraham when he comes back from his injury in April or March. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm not like offended by this deal if it happens, though I know that there have been some rumors that Atlanta's reportedly hesitant to uh, let him go. But still, uh, if it happens, I'll be happy. Uh, I, I don't think he's a world beater, but I think he can help do the job. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's to create competition for Belotti, push him a little bit and give some assurance with a younger player if this younger player does come from Brazil. We talked about Marcos Leonardo last podcast. It looked like it was so close about a week and a half ago when we were recording. I thought we'd be writing a piece for the site just maybe a day or two later. I was I, I thought was he'd be the number one on our U23 already. I, I thought, I, yeah, I thought, we thought we'd have to be readjusting the U23 list. Yeah, I, I, now who knows? Now, I mean, what's the latest you read today? You had the latest update ready. It seems like they're just playing a game of chicken at this point. Like, Marcos Leonardo was not training with his club or playing for the club for nearly a week. Roma has sent out an intermediary who is both his agent and the agent of Erlang Holland. Uh, so this is a this is a fam- pretty famous super agent. She's taken over some of uh, Mino Raiola's clients after he passed away. Uh, and basically what the situation seems to be is that Santos needs a replacement. And if they find that replacement, then Roma can probably sign Marcos Leonardo. If they can't find him as a free agent, then Roma's probably out of luck. 
And that's why Marcos Leonardo has apparently gone back to training today. That's why Roma hasn't been increasing their offer because it seems pretty clear that the money is actually probably fine. It's more just a question of Santos being close to the relegation zone, Santos not wanting to go under for the first time in their career, in their history, and Santos saying, well, if we can bring in an Alexis Sanchez, then we can let Marcos Leonardo go. Uh, that seems to me to be the holdup, that if Marcos Leonardo is able to come to Rome, it will be because Santos is able to find an Alexis Sanchez. And, you know, reports have said that Santos is pushing pretty hard to get him. And you can understand why, because it's not like Roma's not offering a decent amount of money for a 20-year-old yeah. striker. Um, they're not, granted, they're not being Chelsea. And I, let's be honest, the real problem with the situation is Chelsea, who apparently came in and just said, hey, we'll give you like 20 million euros right now for Marcos Leonardo's backup. Um, for those of you who aren't really aware of all this drama, basically what happened is that Santos told Marcos Leonardo heading into the U20 World Cup that if he wanted to get a good deal for himself over the course of the next several months, they would let him go to the U20 World Cup and play there and try to impress other clubs so that he could get a, a transfer value above, I believe, 18 million euros was the valuation. And they said, look, if you can get us this amount of money, we'll send you to the World Cup. And when that offer comes in, we'll let you go. So he goes over to the World Cup. He plays, he impresses, he scores, I believe, five goals in four matches, which is you know pretty good. I think he got the silver boot at the competition. Um, in the meantime, while he's gone, uh, his backup, a 18-year-old named David Washington, uh, starts playing and looks pretty decent, you know, a lot rawer than Marcos Leonardo to the point where I don't think Roma would have been interested in him, but intriguing. Uh, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, and as Roma is filling the fee in for Marcos Leonardo, that 18 million fee, Chelsea comes in out of the blue and says, hey, we're going to drop 20 million euros on the backup. Uh, and that kind of changes Santos's calculus because they're like, well, we thought that if we let Marcos Leonardo go, that we'd have David Washington to be our starting striker. Yeah. And now that they decided to let him go, uh, it ma made it more complicated. Marcos Leonardo got upset because of the broken promise, which is why he stopped training. Uh, this also resulted in basically pretty much everyone from the top down at Santos getting fired, is my understanding, um, for one reason or another. Like that, that club has been going through a lot of mess. Uh, and there'll be actually a new board of directors coming in starting in the winter of 2024. But my understanding, based off of reading the rumors, based off of barely going to sleep last night, hoping for an update on Marcos Leonardo, is that if Santos can sign a replacement striker as a free agent, namely Alexis Sanchez, this deal will likely go through as is for 18 million euros total. Um, if it goes through, I'll be quite excited to be honest with you, because we haven't really had a exciting young prospect brought in as an attacker who is not just an Academy graduate, uh, in quite a while. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last one, Tammy Abraham, but he was more of the proof. The whole thing with him was that he was more of the finished article because we thought, yeah. you know, he had, he had won the champions league. Um, so we thought of him, he was correctly thought of as more of the finished article. This is a guy who the idea would be that you bring him in for 18 million euros and he becomes valued for 60, 70, 80 down the line, which is always exciting to have that type of player in your, in your team. Steve, based off of all that info, do you think that this deal ends up happening? What's your, what's your gut say about this? Knowing the way things have happened with Roma this summer, 
and yeah. how we thought Frasesi last summer, Skamaka this summer, we thought these things were like done deals. I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I do hope it happens, I think, because I think you're right. I think we do need a young striker. And I think if we can get Zapata or somebody of that nature to, to go with Belotti, it takes a lot of pressure off the younger player. The younger player maybe could play as a second striker and play off Belotti or Zapata at times. Um, because it looks like Roma's going to play a bit of a 3-5-2 this season, where is mostly that support striker. But um, a match like this coming weekend when he's out, you need someone else to step in, which is going to be El Shirari most likely this weekend. Um, I think someone like Marcos Leonardo, who's a smaller striker, can play off one of them. Um, I think 18 million euros, I think it was at 12-plus bonuses, would bring it to 18 or 20, and probably easily achievable enough. I think if Roma pays that for a striker who... Looked as good as he did at the un, uh, the under uh, what was it under twenty World Cup. I think it could be a good deal for them, and probably his resale value goes up in the long run. Um, yeah, I don't know if it happens though, just because now he's back at training. So hopefully, if the, if this is true about Sanchez, hopefully Sanchez signs and we can get it done. I think no matter what, he was going to need some bleeding in time if he arrived, especially if he arrived in August. So even if he arrives a match or two into the season before the window closes, that's the reason you have Belotti. And then hopefully as a potter, or someone who won't need as much acclimation because he's familiar with the league. He's a veteran. He won't need, you know, maybe get to know his teammates a little bit, but he won't yeah. be out of his element too much. So I hope it does get done. Um, yeah. I know the, the price tag, if he gets and this, to and like this rumor, 20, yeah. I was just going to say, I don't want the bonus to be too easily achievable because if that's the case, then yeah. he could be a bust in the long run. But yeah, I, I think, um, I'm hoping that if they do sign him, he turns out to be what we need. A, a striker who can score 15 goals next year or, or the year yeah. after when he's a little more mature. Yeah, I, I mean, that's definitely the hope. Uh, the rumor is now that's coming out as we're recording that if Roma isn't able to get Marcos Leonardo in, that the other big name would be Armando Broja, uh, the Albanian Chelsea player who has, you know, gotten a lot of attention over the past month or two in terms of clubs being interested in signing away from Chelsea. We'll see if that comes to fruition as well. Uh, He's personally, coming off an ACL I'm, tear, so he would fit in perfectly at Roma. Exactly. Uh, but I'm more, I'm more excited by Marcos Leonardo, uh, in part because, let's just be honest, it's nice to see a player be so adamant about wanting to come to Rome. Um, it's nice to see a player, sit, like, basically put his foot down and say, I'm going like they had to threaten legal accent action, essentially yeah. for him to go back to training. And you got to respect that on some level uh, as a Roma fan. So hopefully that does come to fruition. Yeah. And if, if it, if it, if it doesn't come to fruition, we'll see what happens. Broha. I'm reading that they are not Chelsea doesn't want to send him away on loan because Milan kicked the tires on a loan for him. Um, the other name I saw linked is William Jose. I think he would be more of a, if Zapata doesn't work out option, because he's a 30, 31 year old um, from Real Batiste. Numbers not all that impressive. Six goals in all competitions last year. Um, you know, we have Andre Bellotti to do that. So hopefully, hopefully that's not <laughs> as much yeah, as, seriously. you know, Zapata doesn't excite me too much at this point in his career. I'd still take the guy who's familiar with the league, who's done it in Serie A, and, you know. Yeah. If he's healthy, I think could could give you time. And I mean, like you can understand, you can understand from Thiago Pinto's perspective, honestly, why bringing in a Zapata Marcos Leonardo pairing makes so much sense, yeah. uh, because you bring in a guy who is experienced, who knows the league, and then you bring in a guy who's young, has loads of potential, 
but it's young and doesn't know the league. And the idea could be that, you know, you have these two guys come in and you have one effectively teach the other. Um, you have, a, you allow for a bleeding in period. You allow for a deeper understanding to develop of how the league works. Um, that's the type of situation that you want when you sign in a, a highly regarded prospect. You don't want to just throw them into the deep end immediately. You want there to be kind of room for error so that they can grow into that world leader that you want them to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I think that is pretty much what they're looking at. I know they're also rumored to potentially be looking to bring in one more center back for depth reasons. Um, I, I think, and we won't go too much because there haven't been too many names linked, but I think if they do do that, I'd like a younger player with upside on a, on a yeah. cheaper deal because I, I think Lorente gives you that veteran presence as a reserve. Uh, you already have Mancini, who's now a veteran. He's no longer a young player. Smalling's a veteran. And Indica, even though he's pretty young, is, is pretty experienced. So I, I would like a younger player who doesn't need to play a ton, can play a little bit, gain some experience, and maybe uh, turn into like that Marquinhos or one of those guys that we signed young and they turn into a really good player and it works out for the club in the long run. Um, yeah. So it looks like the roster's just about taking shape. Obviously, the striker position needs to be officially, you know, put a bow on it and, and say, here, Jose, these are your, your strikers. These are your number nines. This is your attacking core, but the midfield is set. And I, I agree, like you said earlier, I think the midfield now becomes a, a, a fairly good strength. I think the, the center back position is pretty good. You know, right back, we now have three players for, for one spot. I don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't seem like Karsdorp's going anywhere. Uh, unless there's like a late move there. It looks like your boys, the left seat, is probably going to be playing out of position again most of the uh, time. Yeah. Um, even though it is a wing back role and not a full back role that he's playing, he's still fairly out of position because he does have those defensive duties. But overall, I think the roster has taken shape pretty well. You know, I'm sure plenty of people would love to see Rui Patricio moved on from. Uh, I think that's to be another season away. Though, yeah, but that's needs. never been the plan. I feel like people don't get yeah. that that wasn't the plan. Like you sign him for yeah, it never seemed like it was. Then, yeah, yeah. You 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 let you have him for one more year, and then you go hopefully have enough money that you can and spend money on a goalkeeper next year. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. I think the priorities with the Tammy injury, money has to be spent there. Um, they don't have a lot of money to spend to begin with. You look at the way these deals are structured in the midfield and, and other positions, and I think uh, Rui's serviceable enough at this point. I mean, you look at what Inter did, right? They sold Onana, who they replaced him with, Jan Sommer, who's like a 35-year-old goalie. Yeah. So yeah. I think Roma will buy their time there, and they're going to hope they can probably bring somebody in next year, I would think. But yeah. that brings us to Sunday. Season kicks off. Roma is hosting Salernitana. Uh, similar to last mm-hmm. year, they opened with the Granata. And what are you feeling, Jim, heading into – now, important, I guess, Awful how are you feeling first, we'll say, go overall going into the season, and then we can talk about that match. So quick, just how do you feel going into the season? I'm definitely not in the Debbie Downer camp. Do I think that a top four finish is assured? No, not at all. I think that – Roma will probably be fighting for somewhere between second and sixth place. That's my range. Uh, I think that's a reasonable range. I think that people who are discounting Roma's ability to get Champions League spots forget just how poo-pooed Napoli's summer was last season. Uh, people really didn't think they were going anywhere. And then they won the Scudetto. So I'm not saying that Roma's going to win the Scudetto, but I'm going to say that first impressions of a Mercado are not always guaranteed to be actually true. Uh, beyond that, I would also say that if you look at other clubs, comparatively speaking, the only important player that Roma really lost this summer was Rodri Banez. Milan, for all the money they spent, lost key players. Inter, for all the money they spent, lost key players. Um, and people who are complaining about how little Roma has spent on 
the transfer market so far, you do realize that all the money that Milan and Inter have spent on the transfer market has largely come from selling key players. Um, Sacrifice, so yeah. Exactly. And that's, I mean, I, I was under the impression, stupid me, that we all hated doing that back in the day with the Pelota era. So, so maybe um, it's actually better to try to keep the core together and not sell players for obscene amounts of money just to get new players who might or might not be stars. Um, I'm, that's why I'm cautious about either Milan club right now because I see how much they've spent, but I see how much they've lost. Um, as it comes to Atalanta, I agree with you. In fact, I'm probably more worried about Atalanta than I am either Milan club coming to the season. Uh, but that's also because the only Serie A match that I've ever been to live was a Roma Atalanta match. It was in Totti's last season and it was a draw and that really annoyed me. Um, so like, I would say that Atalanta always worries me. Lazio, eh, whatever. Um, they lost Milinkovic Savic. I'm not... I'm not that convinced that Immobile is going to have much tread on his tires at this point. Like I, they don't, they don't scare me that much. Um, I think that Atlanta and Juventus without any other competitions are probably my biggest worries. Uh, Napoli. I, I really don't know because again, they've had a lot of turnovers. Spalletti's gone. Um, Kim's gone. Like key players from that Scudetto run are gone. Um, So, so it's a question again, like, as much as people can say that Roma hasn't spent much, they've brought in free agent signings that were really exciting that any other club in Serie A would have loved to do. And they didn't sell very many key players. So in my opinion, I think the squad's probably gotten better uh, other than the fact that, you know, we lost Tammy Abraham to an ACL tear and based off of how he played last season, he wasn't even that great last season. So we'll see how it goes. I'm cautiously optimistic is probably how I describe myself. As for the Salernitana match, half the team is injured or not injured, is suspended. Um, Mourinho suspended. Pellegrini suspended. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Mourinho. Pag- Diabala yeah, suspended. Gonna see, yeah, Diabala suspended. We're probably going to see Pagano start, um, which I'm actually kind of excited for. Um, I'm not going to spoil where he is on our U- U23 power ranking, but he's pretty high up there, and I think he could be something special. Um and we'll probably see Pagano start. We'll probably see Bove start. It's Salernitana. We should be winning this match, even with Dybala, Pellegrini, Mancini not playing. Quite simply. Like, we should be winning this match. Yeah, so to, to start with your point with the, the league overall, I, I, think, I think it's wide open again. I think some of the yeah. losses that these other teams have taken are going to be noted notable on the pitch i think napoli first of all losing spalletti big change from spalletti to garcia right um garcia hasn't really had a big job in in quite some time he was in the middle east before this um i think losing kim is a huge loss i think losing Zelinsky is going to be kind of an under under the radar big loss for them you know they still have osiman they still have carvachelia we'll see if there's any kind of like sophomore slump for him because sometimes in these second seasons players start to get figured out a little bit and they have to adjust we'll see if he can do that right away or if it takes a little time um i wouldn't expect them to be as dominant as they were last year they might make me eat my words but that's the way i see it right now i think like you said <clears throat> milan spent a lot of money they did lose um tonali big loss i mean he had a huge debut for uh, newcastle this past week i do like Players like Musa and Pulisic as, as, a, as a U.S. men's national team fan. Okafor is an interesting player. I mean, this, this Rangers player looks interesting. But we'll see how long it takes them to gel, right? I mean, they, they did bring in some talent, but it's going to take some time to gel. 
Uh, Inter, if they had got Skamaka or even Taremi or one of these strikers, I, th- I think they would have been my favorite to win the league um, based on the Mercato because they did bring in Fratezzi. They would have brought in a, a good striker. They brought in Turum on a free. But then you see they lost Onana, right? That, that's a big loss for them. Brozovic yeah. is a big loss for them in the midfield. So they did lose some important players as well. So it, it's it's really interesting. The one that worries me a little bit, and it's mainly because they don't have to play in Europe, is Juve. Yeah, um, I agree. I think not having to play in, in Europe is a big advantage to them. They haven't done much in the Mercato, though. Most of the money they've spent are loans that they've become obligations they've had to pay for. Locatelli, Kane, Milik, these guys were all there last year. They did bring in Timothy Weah, who's a player I like too, but he's not going to be like a game-breaker for them, I don't think. Um, yeah. so it'd be interesting to see if they do anything in, in toward the end of this Mercato because they haven't done much, um, but they don't have that commitment. And then it, I, I, I to me is an intriguing side this year and they, they've kind of been hanging around now the past five, six years. And now I think they've made a really good move with Skamaka and we'll see how the rest of the team plays out. Um, but I think it's wide open. I think you're right. Roma could be anywhere from like second to seventh, maybe who knows? Um, health is going to be big. Yeah. Players finding form, who, which team gels yeah. the fastest, things like that. It, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago when the schedule came out. Roma's calendar is pretty favorable up until like the end of October. They have to take advantage of that. I don't care if, who's missing in what match. Yeah. They got to take advantage. They got to pile up the wins, pile yeah. up the points early on. I think it's got to start on Sunday with Salernitana yeah. at the Olimpico. Does it worry you a little bit yeah. when they're missing Dybala and Pellegrini? And yes. But like you said, it's Salernitana. It's at the Olimpico. The back line will be intact. We'll get to see players like OR and, uh, you know, El Sharari, I think, should be, you know, good to go. You might see some of these younger players like Pagano. I think Roman will have enough to get it done. Um, you know, I don't want to get overconfident because we've seen Salernitana kind of pull pull the rug out from under him in the past. But I'm hoping for a, a positive start to the season. I'm looking forward to it. We're gluttons yeah. for punishment. I tend to be, I tend to err on the optimistic side, not as much as you do. I'm not to the yeah, as far to yeah. the pessimistic side as Brandon, but yeah. you know, the new season always excites me, and and I am yeah. I'm looking forward to it now that we've brought a few few more players in. My prediction is that if Renato Sanchez is our second best player throughout the course of the season, and is available, that Roma will be comfortably competing for a Champions League set, spot. I think that if he, I I think, and I'm going to, because I'm going to be honest, like, I think that Roma would have gotten the top four spot last season if Wijnaldum had been available. I don't think that that's really that much up for debate. Like, I think that if Roma had had a comp, like, decent midfield and Wijnaldum would have made it more than decent, they would have been in the Champions League spots. And we've added Awar and Renato Sanchez and Leandro Paredes. If, if Awar and, and Sanchez are able to be remotely impressive, I think that we've got a good chance for Champions League football. I agree. All right, so I yeah. guess we'll leave it there. Um, plenty of season preview stuff on the site. All the predi- positional previews are almost ready. I know Jim's got the strikers, but he's kind of waiting to, to see what shakes out there. Hopefully yeah, our strikers are kind of – and yeah, it, we're, we're kind of yeah. incomplete at the striker position. Our striker right preview might take until about August 30th at this rate, but yeah. uh, we've yep. got our U23 <laughs> countdown going on. I'm sure we'll have our roundtable coming out later this week. I know Bren's getting that together. So plenty of stuff on the site. And uh, we'll be back next week with our, our regular match – coverage on the podcast so thanks for listening and thanks for reading and uh we'll look forward to talking to you guys next week